Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Tomás la pone parejo al sí, segundo palo Sorlo gol. Sí, gol, 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 del Villarreal. Llega el triplete, llega el hat-trick de Alexander Sorlo y también el triplete de asistencias de Dani Parejo. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of La Liga Lowdown. I'm your host, Matt Clark, joined once again by Roman de Arquer. Roman, it's been uh, another fun-filled weekend in La Liga. Lots of goals, lots of drama, a bit of controversy, just how we like it. Uh, how you doing? Hey, Matt. Well, at a personal level, a bit disappointed with how the last game went for Barca. But uh, despite that, as you said, there have been plenty of goals, some really entertaining games there um, with, uh, of course, a lot of opportunities, a lot of goals scored. And I think uh, the average La Liga fan will have enjoyed uh, the matches this weekend. I think so. Something for everyone. Um, let's start though at Mistaya, um, Valencia against Real Madrid. This fixture last season was quite highly charged with all the the Vinicius chants and lots of controversy about that and and his reaction, Madrid's reaction to the fans as a whole compared to just the minority that were abusive. So a lot of emotion going into the game. 2-0 up in uh, in very quick time, Hugo Duro and Roman Yaremchuk. But, uh, of course, Real Madrid got back into it and it was Vinicius who was the main protagonist. Roman, what a, what a game. We'll talk about the controversy at the end in just a moment. But first of all, an entertaining watch before the drama. Yeah, I mean, with all the build-up before, it kind of felt like it had to be entertaining one way or another, whether it was through the goals or through some other... Uh, means, but um, in the end, I mean, as you said, Valencia started off so well, uh, it seemed like they had the game quite under control in a way, but that's the thing, when you score early goals against Madrid, you know that you're going to have to um, be pouring water out of your boat for the rest of the game, you know, because they're going to come stronger, they're going to keep pushing, and you you know they eventually are going to score at least a goal or two, so it kind of felt like a comeback was very, very possible, and it would have been possible if it hadn't been for the referee, but as you said, we'll mention that later. Well, yeah, I mean, here we go. So they equalised fairly early. I mean, they still had 15 minutes plus uh, to try and find that winner, which, again, having seen Madrid many, many times, you thought, yeah, this is just inevitable. But uh, we thought it was there. Uh, corner in the last play of the game. It's cleared out. It comes back across. It crosses in. Bellingham heads home. It goes into the back of the net. But Gil Mantano 
has blown, uh, certainly before the header. The question is, did he blow before the cross or did he blow when the ball was in the air? It's been a very controversial subject in Spain this weekend. Um, just to add to it even more, Mateo Lajoz has been on the radio on Sunday night to say that, yeah, the problem in Spain is referees have too big an ego, says Mateo Lajoz on national radio. But uh, <laughs> the irony, is not, who, sorry? The irony is not lost on many there. But uh, Roman, what, what was your take on, on this dramatic play? Because it all boiled over. Jude Bellingham got sent off. So much, so much chaos. Well, on one hand, I think we can all agree on uh, the referee making a massive mistake there, you know, because you can't blow the whistle at that point. You either wait till the cross is completed or you blow before there's any opportunity of that happening. And in that sense, he made a mistake and I'm sure he's going to pay for it and I'm sure he regrets uh, being in that situation. Although he has been in a very similar situation before, I don't know if our listeners know, but against Malaga in a game years and years ago before half time, there was a cross and the Malaga striker headed the ball. And as soon as he headed the ball, he blew the end of the game and the ball was, was heading inward. So, mm-hmm. I mean, he, it's happened before to him for some reason and he's made the same mistake again. But I honestly think it was just unlucky because he does like go for the whistle. I guess he sees that maybe there's a cross, but then he realizes that the position is kind of. Uh, unusual for a cross and in the end Brahim manages to, manages to put the ball through but he does for me whistle just as soon as he hits the ball so it's like maybe the ball is slightly started to go upwards but I mean it just it just came off his foot in that moment because I've been listening to the replay quite a few times to, to hear when the first uh, whistle sounds and honestly it isn't when the ball is arriving onto Bellingham's head like it happened against Malaga it's, it's a bit before that so I mean uh, despite the circumstances, at least it wasn't the worst case scenario. But in the end, it's true that the um, added time, you know, had been uh, surpassed by quite a bit, and the game should have been over even before. So honestly, he should have whistled, uh, whistled the end of the game sooner. But he made the mistake, and and it's football, you know. We love the controversy. It always happens, at least here in Spain. On a daily basis, on a weekly basis, I'd say, and uh, it is what it is, you know. Well, there's plenty in the Prem as well, don't worry about that, especially about added time and goals coming very late. I suppose many would argue that because there was a bit of a VAR in added time itself, that then adds on, and, and it is, of course, a minimum of mm, seven true. minutes, uh, and all the drama happening kind of, you know, 98, 99. But um, yeah, as it is, a point apiece, uh, Real Madrid. Again, stumbling in terms of results. They haven't won back-to-back league games since the start of February. So a little bit of a, a, a couple of stumbles there. But their rivals are not able to take advantage of it because this weekend, Madrid actually increased their lead at the top of the table to seven points. And that is because Girona went to Mallorca, who we thought would have a hangover from their Copa triumphs, having played 120 minutes in San Sebastián, going through the penalties, celebrating the win. But no, they were the team that were pushing and, and pressing. And as Girona found in the copper, um, they weren't able to, to get anything from Mallorca. And this was, uh, I don't know, Girona's form is, has taken a real slump, especially away from home. Well, we know that San Mamés and the Bernabeu are very tough places to go. But then, you know, they've also lost here in Mallorca. And of course, uh, they lost to... Um, also in the Copa at the same ground. So a bit of a bogey ground for them. Seven points back now, they're just going to have to try and cling on for, for Champions League now. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, th- I kind of think like we all felt this was going to happen probably sooner. That at some point, Girona mm. would 
wouldn't be capable of sustaining, you know, that high level football, those incredible results. And I guess it was a matter of time at some point they, they began to struggle, struggle. And for me, it makes complete sense for this to happen at some point. I think it's still incredible what they're doing. Uh, they're still in a very uh, or relatively comfortable position, uh, in my opinion, in the fight for the Champions League. Of course, it's true that Barca are one point away. Atletico are just four points away, but then Athletic Club is nine points away. So, I mean, in that sense, they can still breathe easy. I'm sure they're going to get back to wins. It's not going to be dramatic, I don't think, uh, because the team has the quality and they're always going to have these sort of slumps. But they'll have to uh, make the most, you know, of uh, their... Their, their home form, let's say their home games, basically. And on the other hand, uh, we thought, as you said, that Mallorca might be a bit tired from that important mm. clash in the Copa del Rey, but they got three crucial points that I, wouldn't, I won't say mathematically, obviously it doesn't save them, but it really puts them clear off that those bottom positions, and now they can breathe much easier, and also knowing that they have a Copa del Rey final, so we were saying that maybe that would give them some confidence coming into the next game and, and it really did you know and then they got an important 1-0 win against one of the best sides this season so credit to Mallorca too for that uh, really positive result for them yeah what a week for Aguirre's men they are eight points clear of the bottom three now and like you say can now look forward to a trip to Barcelona next Friday night to um, to enjoy rather than to, to have to worry about what it will mean for the for the table um Barcelona, we just mentioned, they had a very tough game themselves. Trip to San Mamés, that's where we will turn to now. Athletic had won 10 in a row at home, and they did make some changes following their Copa del Rey triumph over Atleti. Um, but Barca, I'm getting the sense, having just finished watching and a bit of the reaction, I'm getting the sense that uh, this is more of a disappointing point for Barca than, than a good point. Um, given the rotations for Athletic, the absence of Nico Williams, Danny Vivian for the hosts, and yeah, the injuries. We'll, t- we'll talk about that as well. But first of all, Roman, your, your thoughts on the performance from Barca? Honestly, uh, I felt like the team had to give more in this game. As you said, you know, Athletic coming from that uh, game also in the Copa del Rey, Barca knowing that Madrid had dropped points, that this was a great opportunity to go. Uh, cut down the advantage to six points. With those six points, you feel like anything can happen. But we weren't capable. It was another of those games where, I don't know, something is, is missing. And, and if you add to that the fact that you lose two of your best midfielders, and we've seen, we've, we've been playing games without them before along the season, and it didn't go very well. And you kind of feel like when these guys aren't available, the team has no answers, the team has... Uh, no player that can step up, you know, and 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 fill their shoes, you know. And in that sense, Fermin, who's you know had a positive season for today, for example, for me had one of one of his worst games where he was very, um, I guess, unlucky with the ball, wasn't precise, was losing, was slipping, was was not at his best tackling or or giving passes. And obviously, I'm not putting the blame on him. It's just an example, you know, that when the important guys are missing, the others tend to struggle to to do well enough. And uh, I mean, we did have. Certain opportunities, almost to go from Cancelo after a bad clearance from the goalkeeper that was saved in the line by Irai. But, I mean, aside from that, we didn't generate that much danger. And I felt like a team that's fighting to go into the quarterfinals, sorry, of the, um, yeah, quarterfinals of the Champions League and, and trying to do, um, trying to cut uh, points for, to, from Real Madrid needs to do much better. Mm. Well, let's talk about those two significant losses, though. 
Frankie de Jong went over on his ankle and then oh, Pedri. God, absolutely devastating to see him leave the field in tears. Um, we all saw the pictures of him on the bench, just crestfallen. But once again, it looks as if it's a muscular injury. His, his hamstring appeared to go kind of once and then he made a long pass and he just he just hit the floor, he knew. Um, and again, as you say, with Napoli a week and a half away, those two key midfielders look to be in serious doubt to, to feature. I mean, timing couldn't be worse. Uh, we already saw how we missed a chance uh, at Napoli to actually basically close or shut down the 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 the, the game and, and and have a comfortable or relatively comfortable uh, home match, but we missed that chance and now without these two it just feels like it's going to be a very big mountain to climb i mean we we still definitely can qualify and win the game but i mean these two for me are like the motor in midfield obviously gundogan being the third key player also the fact that we don't have gabi obviously because he he got injured back um last year during the season i mean it's it's going to be really complicated for chavi to come up with with a decent formation that can really win comfortably it's going to be a struggle it's going to be a tough game and and hopefully at least frankie the young um doesn't have a very tough ankle sprain and he can he can be back on time but if not i am i am very worried and i'm hoping also that pedri doesn't have to be sitting out for too long because poor kid you know i think mm. it's his eighth hamstring injury or something like that and it's just been awful since that year where he played the the Olympics with Spain, from there on, it's been pretty much dramatic. I'm not sure if it comes down to that exclusively. Maybe it's just his body is is, is how it is. But uh, very, very unfortunate for, for Pedri. Mm, devastating for him. Many said at the time, didn't they, that this is too much for a player his age. He's still developing and growing. This is just too much football. We played something like 60-plus games in, in that year, that season. Played the Euros and then all those extra times that Spain were involved in and then played the Olympics which also went all the way to the final with a lot of extra time. So he was nicknamed Pedri Proroga, wasn't he, with all those all those extra minutes in his legs. And sadly, again, causation or correlation, who knows, but that has, has clearly had some effect on his ability to, to stay clear of injury. And, and at the moment, he's just not able to to get any kind of rhythm, is it? And it's just really sad to see for, for obviously him, for Barca and, and for Spain too, because uh, you think of Gavi and Pedri would be future pillars of that side and, Obviously, both out injured. Um, well, let's turn now to Madrid once again. And the only team in the top half to win this weekend was Atleti. They needed a response, didn't they, after their trip to San Mamés, the, the really poor effort they put in, as we spoke about last midweek. But they got the win. They beat Betis 2-1. Uh, Morata had quite a day, didn't he? Missed a penalty, but then scored. Uh, which kind of sums him up quite a lot. But uh, <laughs> yeah. a crucial win for Diego Simeone's side to, to keep that cushion in the top four yeah Letico needed to, to turn things around because uh, it wasn't a great look in the Copa del Rey I mean they got battered by Athletic Club and in La Liga they're on top of them in the standings and, and they're expected to do much better so I mean uh, Betis was a tough challenge because we always know that uh, they can be very difficult to to play against but in the end Atletico improved on their output um, they got the goals they needed to get the three points, which, as you said, are are, are fantastic for them because obviously the top three uh, dropped points this season. Now they're just three away from Barcelona, and um, obviously I won't say they're in the title fight, but they are in the fight maybe for for a second spot, third spot, you know. 
and they have to keep up these these kind of results. They can't afford to to show such a poor image as they did against um, Athletic Club, and of course they have to also think about uh, the version of themselves they want to show against Inter in the Champions League, which will be upcoming shortly also. So, I mean, Atletico needed this result uh, desperately. They certainly did, and it gives them a bit of breathing space. They're now five points clear of Athletic, and Athletic are also eight clear of Betis. So, a lot of distance between fourth and sixth. So, again, we're not sure if fifth will be enough for a Champions League, but either way, Atleti have have improved their situation this week for sure. Um, Just another thing on, on Barca. Napoli also played on Sunday night at the same time and they actually beat Juventus. So another another worrying sign potentially for uh, Yeah, for they're, they're on good track and they also won the, the game before that quite comfortably. So mm. the new manager seems to be doing a pretty good job there. Indeed, yeah. Let's, let's see how that one pans out. But that, that's for next week. Um, we'll take a quick break now, but we'll be back with all the other results, including some absolute goal fest and unexpected, uh, really entertaining game. So stick with us. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to La Liga Lowdown. We've had some uh, goal fests in the division this weekend, uh, but none more so than at La Ceramica. Villarreal continue their improved form with a thumping 5-1 win over increasingly hopeless Granada. Villarreal now unbeaten in seven, which of course includes their win over Barca. They had three draws in between that, but they have had impressive wins last time out and this week. 3-1 3-1 away at Real Sociedad and then 5-1 over Granada. Alexander Shawlot with a hat-trick. If anyone was watching the Manchester derby and saw Erling Haaland's miss uh, almost in disbelief, this Norwegian quite, uh, striker, as um, as was said, this one can find the net. Hat-trick for him, also goals from Capoe and Gonzalo Gerich. Dani Parejo with a fantastic performance. 
we know Granada are pretty much down really now, 10 points adrift for them. Um, but yeah, Villarreal very much back to what we're expecting from them. Yeah, it took a while, but it seems like um, Athelino is getting things you know, in order a bit and now they're getting a couple of very big wins for them. Uh, first against, of course, Real Sociedad, which was definitely a big one. And now against Granada, who we all know is practically relegated, but still, you have to go there and, and get the three points. And of course, scoring uh, five five goals is, is just fantastic. Getting your, your important players in attack involved, uh, seeing how Guedes is becoming more and more important with every game. We all know what he was capable of back in the days when he was in Valencia. Unfortunately, in the Premier League, it didn't work out so well. But having him back is is fantastic. And also looking into, of course, the Europa League uh, match they have uh, shortly against uh, Marseille. I mean, this this confidence in themselves is definitely uh, something they, they, they wanted uh, before getting to this match. Because just imagine arriving and playing against Marseille after drawing against Alaves, drawing against... Uh, um, I'm sorry, Getafe and, you know, maybe losing a game. So this is definitely a is, is, is much better situation. And uh, hopefully they can prove... To everybody mm. that they are improving in that Europa League tie, which will definitely be a very big game. It's a hell of a run now to test whether this new form is going to be sustained because yeah, exactly. they go to the Velodrome on Thursday, then it's a trip to the Via Marine, then of course the second leg against Marseille, followed by hosting Valencia, of course another Marcelino reunion, and then they host Atleti and then go to San Mamed. So it's a Crazy. really crunch time. They'll be very delighted that they are pretty much clear of, of trouble now because yeah. that could be a really sticky run for them. But again, it'll be a chance to see how far they have progressed. But um, yeah, Granada, they got a consolation goal at the end, but still only two wins all season, 10 adrift. We're, we're putting a fork in them, aren't we? Yeah, as I said, uh, practically relegated, if not already. Uh, there doesn't really seem to be a reaction. There are certain games where they look like they're not playing too bad, like they have their, their, their opportunities and, and that they maybe could grab some points. But... At the end of the day, it feels like like Almeria, you know, like they're not good enough because we did see them draw three three against Barcelona and you know perform at a good level. But then other games where they're expected to to do much better, they just are incapable. So unfortunately for them, it just seems like they don't have enough to stay in the Spanish top tier. Mm. Well, speaking of teams that are reviving, Sevilla are one of those two. Coming from further back, it's fair to say, but they took on Real Sociedad. And they had a, another another win, 3-2 at the Sanchez Pizjuan. And Naziri with a brace. Sergio Ramos with what proved to be the difference. Um, good to see Sevilla back on track. And again, Rasofidad, just the, the form keeps slipping. And with PSG next, there doesn't appear to be much hope. So whichever way you want to take it, you can talk about Sevilla, talk about Rasofidad, talk about both. Up to you. <laughs> Yeah, like it feels like it's a bit of the opposite sensations we're getting with Villarreal. No, yeah. they're heading into a super important game, and here they just aren't showing the level they they were uh, towards the end of last year. Um, I mean, it maybe kind of feels like it's more Real Sociedad losing the game than Sevilla winning it. I don't want to take credit away from Sevilla, but the form uh, the Basque team are in currently is is just uh, I'd say a bit sad because I mean the hopes were so high not so long ago and, and I mean they were really playing incredible football they were getting incredible results uh, the Champions League you know I think they topped the group if I'm not mistaken they did so well or they were at least second they were up yeah. there uh, two draws two, with Inter two draws with Inter I mean they were showing to the world that they are a team that can possibly compete 
at the highest level, but in the end, it seems like maybe their squad wasn't deep enough, or maybe battery oxygen is running out, and unfortunately for them, it isn't turning out too too well. But on the other hand, at least Sevilla are making the did make the most sorry of that, and we know how much they need these points and good win for them definitely. Mm. Certainly, looking more rosy for Sevilla. Let's head to the Colosseum now because we spoke in the midweek pod that this was going to be a clash of styles. Getafe and Football Champagne against Pimienta's, uh, you know, pristine passing. But um, as so often with these kind of real clashes of styles, it ends up cancelling each other out and ends up being a draw. But it's so much more to the story because Getafe raced into a, a 3-1 lead at half time. And at that point, you're thinking there's no way back for Las Palmas. But in the second half, they did come back and uh, the conditions were, were pretty wild in Madrid. It was a very uh, blustery day, lots of rain around. But uh, again, 3-3, not often you see six goals at the Coliseum. Yeah, definitely not a result you expect when Getafe is playing at home. Um, as you said, conditions were very tough uh, in Madrid for the Getafe game, also for the Rayo Vallecano game. I mean, mm. uh, in this condition, it's never easy. But despite that, you know, the goals came. And I think Getafe will be quite disappointed. Uh, because, honestly, as you said, 3-1 up halftime. Seemed like the game was quite under control. And then, you know, uh, first it was Sandro with a ma- marvellous goal, honestly. That was a fantastic one he scored to cut the lead the, in the first half. But then in the second half, it seemed like... It was going to be a tough job, but you know, in seven minutes they scored a couple of goals through Cardona and and Munir, and there was still plenty of time to turn it around. But in the end, it was a three-three result, which I guess was fair in the end. Although Getafe, for me, as I said, a bit disappointing because at home you have to be capable of sustaining such a big result, especially taking into account that Getafe are a team that know how to defend, uh, having mm. Bordalas as a manager, basically. This was a, a crucial game, really, in the kind of outside bet for, for European football because with Real Sociedad's form so poor, this was a real chance for one of these two sides to, to push on. Mm. And yeah, with Getafe being 3-1 up, they would have gone above Las Palmas with, with a win and would have gone into eighth and only a couple of points off, off Real Sociedad. So it does feel like a bit of a missed opportunity for Getafe. Uh, Euro Heter, of course, and as it is, they are now stuck in 10th. It's still very tight. There's only five points between... Real Sociedad in 7th and Getafe in 10th. So we could have a little run for 7th place, which, of course, is a Conference League spot. That could be one of the things that we, we focus more in on more as we reach the end of the season. But as you see it right now, Roman, you know, Las Palmas, Valencia, Getafe, which one of those is most, even Villarreal potentially, which one of those is most likely to go on a run? It's, it's it's hard to say because I mean uh, those um, among those three teams or probably those three teams are are uh, together with Girona the the biggest surprises of the season you know and mm-hmm. honestly uh, I didn't expect any of them to be this this high up at this stage of the season uh, maybe I kind of feel like Valencia are looking quite solid with, with Baraja, although Las Palmas also defensively, they don't concede too many goals, with the exception, of course, of certain games like this one or the one against Atletico Madrid, but usually uh, tight results. We always say that they're lacking a bit in attack, but I mean, they have plenty of quality. They ha- they know how to control a game, and as we saw against Getafe, they also know how to come back from a, a steep result. So those two, for me, maybe have a better shot, but I mean, Getafe are also there. 
And you never know in football. Uh, and it also depends on, on Real Sociedad. If they can turn around this poor form or if they keep this up, they're definitely going to uh, lose that seventh spot. And then it will be either Las Palmas, Valencia or one of those fighting with mm. Betis. The interesting thing with Las Palmas and Valencia, the records are almost identical. Um, both won 10 games, both drawn seven. Las Palmas have lost 10, Valencia nine, but Valencia have a game in hand. Uh, Las Palmas scored 29, conceded 29, goal difference of zero. Valencia scored 31, conceded 31, goal difference of zero, both on 37 <laughs> points. So really fascinating to see that little mini tussle. Um, but let's head towards the bottom once again. Let's dive down deep into uh, the Maya. Friday night, we said, was the huge, huge game between Celta and Almeria. This was like make or break for Rafa, and it took a while. It took a long while. Almeria were down to 10, and even then, it took a bit more time. In the end, Oscar Minguesa came up with the winner. Relief for Celta. They are now five points clear of the drop, because we'll talk about Cadiz in, in just a moment, but huge win for Celta. Much needed. They had to win this game, and they did. Yeah, uh, they definitely had to win this game because basically Almeria, well, they're the last in the standings, and we know that they tend to step up in 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 tougher games, and this was probably one of those because you know how desperate Celta were, and you know of course Almeria won a result, won their first win, but they just seem to be incapable of finding it. Uh, it's true that Celta did get a goal ruled out in the first half, which maybe would have given them. Uh, a bit more of, you know, not so much stress we could say, and having to, to to feel the pressure as the minutes went by. But unfortunately for them, it didn't count. But Oscar Mingueza out of nowhere scored a beautiful uh, shot that went really close to the post and was unstoppable for the goalkeeper. And that, as you said, were three super important uh, three points for them. And on the other hand, it just feels like Almeria are just uh, so unlucky. Honestly, because no matter what they do, everything seems to go wrong. Like for example, Bruno Lange, I remember, had a really good shot where he hit the post. The ball didn't go in, came back to him. Another good opportunity and the ball just glided past the top of the post again. And, and he had quite a good opportunity of scoring in both in both cases. And then he got sent off, for me, a bit harsh in the, in the second half. And it feels like that's a summary of, of, of Almeria season, you know, this... Uh, unluckiness of course aside from that they are the worst team and that's why they're they're at the bottom but it, I kind of feel bad at times for them mm. but anyway uh, um, Luca Romero had to go off having done so well in the previous game against Atleti that's another one you know uh, the injury was, was so unlucky uh, I mean just things seem to be go going so wrong for them no matter what no matter what they try and honestly I hope that they can go down and restructure themselves and maybe get a shot at coming back up because they've been extremely lucky aside from how bad they have been for a big part of the season. But now it doesn't feel like they're that bad. They still, they compete for the games, but they just mm. never get the results in the end, even if they're fighting uh, till the very last minute. You know, So unfortunate for Almeria and for Celta. Credit because it was a massive win, as you said. Do potentially worry for them in terms of the future because they have invested a lot in that squad and certainly would not have budgeted to, to be going down. So it could be a, a really harsh summer for them in terms yeah, of true. trying to, to save the, the, the money there. Um, but yes, a big win for Celta. And last but by no means least, we go to Vallecas. Our amigo Rory Barlow was there uh, to, to show how bad the conditions were. There was a protest before the game, Rayo fans forming a chain around the stadium, linking arms to say, this is our place, do not move. 
sending a message to their president, Presser, loud and clear. As for the game itself, they <laughs> they thought they'd won it with a very late Florian Lejeune goal, but the the conditions uh, it was a, it was a real picture, wasn't it? Because the game had had to be stopped for the hail, and then uh, Cadiz again. The one team you think might might just have something to get out of it, beginning to score a few more goals, and this was the latest of them all. Javier Hernandez, not Chicharito, of course. Um, Ninety plus thirteen. This is like minute one hundred and three in the game, in the pouring rain, and Cadiz grabbed a point from Vallecas. Yeah, I mean, we all thought uh, Rayo had won that one, and out of nowhere, a beautiful pass, I'd say, to Javier Hernandez, uh, going through I don't know how many lines of of Rayo players somehow made it through. I don't know if it was the conditions, if they couldn't see the ball very well or what it was, but uh, that was a perfect pass that obviously gave them a super important point in the end because it really felt like there was going to be no reaction from Kadi, especially seeing how the game had won, the difficult conditions to, to generate an attack and all that. So in the end, uh, yeah, it gives them a little bit of hope still because, I mean, they are... Far, but not that far in the end, you know, there's still a shot. And uh, on the other hand, Rayo just really struggling to react, to to show the form that they did at the beginning of the season. And, I mean, they are in a relatively comfortable position with seven points from the bottom, from the drop zone. But uh, if they keep this up, who knows what can happen. They could get sucked in. I mean, I mean, Cadiz have only lost two of the last six, drawing the other four. That's the problem, is that they just haven't had enough yeah. wins. Uh, they've got Atleti next, then away to Real Sociedad before Granada, and then Barça Girona. So a tough run for Cadiz, you would think as well. But if they can grab a win from somewhere, that'll keep uh, Celta and Rayo honest at the bottom there. So you never know. If there's anyone that could could get themselves out, it probably is Cadiz. But they'll need to make a move pretty soon, you would imagine. Yeah, yeah, I have to completely agree with you, and it's 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 a matter of time because if they don't do that, then it's just going to get too complicated. Well, that's uh, the wrap on the weekend. Osasuna Alaves is your Monday night game. And then we have European football in midweek. Of course, the Europa League quarter, uh, round of 16 first legs and the second legs of some of the Champions League round of 16. Real Madrid in action as are Real Sociedad. Before we do leave, I must also uh, talk about Mukhtar Diakabi because he suffered that horrible injury in the Valencia-Real Madrid game. And it was confirmed that he's he has dislocated his knee. So he'll be out for up to a year, Roman. It's really tough. Yeah, I really feel bad for players that suffer these injuries. And also, it was like super unfortunate, you know. It wasn't like a, a harsh tackle or something that was intended with a negative purpose. It was just pure being at the wrong time, the wrong, mom- wrong moment, you know, very unlucky. And hopefully he'll, he'll come back strong from that. But, you know, these injuries sometimes can be quite defining. Yeah, indeed. We hope he's... Uh... Recovers well. Mucho animo to him and uh, everyone affected by his injury there. Well, that's, uh, that's all we have time for tonight. We'll be back in midweek to react to the European games. And uh, as we say, we're expecting Madrid to get through, but not Real Sociedad. So we'll see where that leads us. But uh, from all of us here, thank you, Roman, for your time. Thank you. And uh, we'll be back with you soon. Adios.
mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.